really warm welcome to the teaching ministry of New Life Church Crawley. We're a multicultural, intergenerational church. And we believe in the gospel of Christ. We believe in spreading his love through his word and through his works. We really hope that you enjoy what you hear today. We'd love for you to connect with us via the usual social media outlets, such as Facebook or on our website. It's good to be back. Uh, there's nothing like your own bed, huh? You know, just wherever you've been. I love, I love going away. I love uh, doing good work, but it's, it's also nice to be back to your own bed, always. So I, I think what we'll do is um, next week we'll share a little bit more about the trip. I want to come back Friday tea time, and as you hear from my voice, I've just picked up a little bit of a bug. So I think next week we'll share a little bit more about the trip. Um, and we'll get some videos uh, and a few pictures together and Saj and Afiza can share as well uh, about Pakistan, uh, so double trip. So um, we'll, we'll do that next week if that's okay and, and share a little bit more. I think many of you saw some of the videos uh, already and so you're probably quite familiar but for those who aren't, we'll, we'll do something next week on that. So let's pray and we're, we're going to get straight into God's word and as we continue our series together. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity it brings to us. And uh, we pray, God, that we'd have open hearts today. That the seed that you have for us would fall on good ground. Lord, that it would produce a harvest of righteousness in our life. In Jesus' name. Both Pakistan and Nigeria was, was a wonderful trip, uh, but there's a couple of things you often take for granted, like a hot shower. <laughs> there, there's nothing like a hot shower and a, and a hot meal, is there? If you've been traveling all day, or if you're, you, you know, I think it was an average of about three showers every day, because just as soon as you walk out, you just sweat again, don't you? Uh, and if you're ministering uh, in those conditions and you're not used to it, it's refreshing. And I think that's why I love our key verse for today uh, from Isaiah 1.18 from the Living Bible. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can take it out and make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. We're heading into that time of year. Some of you may have never seen snow if you've come from other cultures. The first time you see it, it's always exciting, isn't it? But the freshness that that comes with is, is quite refreshing. One of the quotes I saw this week, it says this, Jesus takes away our guilt and again opens the way to God's fatherly heart. I think that's one of the things as we, we, we look at this idea of the Beatitudes again, today we're looking at this idea of uh, God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see God. And that sense of purity is important. And, and one of the things that Jesus does to us, not because of our own merits or because of our own goodness, but he brings us back to the heart of the Father. And I think we've lost some of that emphasis, but Jesus comes again. And I know for many of us, we haven't had a great relationship with our Father over the years. But if you imagine everything that you've ever wanted in a Father, everything that you've ever desired, Jesus is and will be for you. That's the heart of God. He came to reveal the Father. And when he spoke to the disciples uh, and they didn't quite understand, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
That's the heart of God for us. God wants us to be in a right relationship with him that we might see him at work. And part of that is purity. So we're going to listen again to the Beatitudes that's taken from the, the Chosen. Uh, I know you've, you've used this a few times. So we're going to listen to that again. And then after that, Kerry's going to come and do a visual talk. And then we're going to continue with the rest of my message. So thank you if you play that little video. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward will be great in heaven. Such an amazing reading of it, isn't it? I just think it really goes right to your heart and really brings those words alive. So David's going to be talking today about those people, blessed are those that are pure in heart. And we're going to think a little bit now about what might get in the way. What might clog our hearts up? And I'm not talking about cream <laughs> or chocolate. Lisa knew I was going to say that. She started laughing before I even said it because she knows that's certainly the way to my heart. But um, there are things that get in the way of us being who God wants us to be. And they can sit on our heart and stop us seeing God and stop us doing what he really wants us to do. So I'm hoping that some of the children under their chairs have got some pictures. So can you have a look? If you have, can you bring them up, please? <coughs> Honestly, it's like musical chairs when you lot come in. I always put them under the children's chairs and then they move. Come on, gorgeous, you can come up. Well done. Fantastic. I like the way you walked really coolly up there, Theo. Brilliant, there should be some more. Uh, Mike, I think there's one under your chair that Darcy was going to bring up, but if not, just give it to... Mackenzie, can you bring it up for me? 
Mackenzie will bring it up. Brilliant. Okay, so we've got some pictures here, and they're going to show us some of the things that get in the way of our heart. Now, note to self, if you cut out a white heart and stick it on a white wall, you can't see it. But there is actually a heart here, so next time I will make sure it's not white. Chris is just like despairing of me. He has to change most of my slides that I send to him because they don't show up. So, Oh, brilliant, we've got one more. Fantastic. Okay, so we're going to have a look and see some of the things that might get in the way of our hearts and stop us from being the person God wants us to be. So who's got number one? Do you want to bring it up? Let's have a look at what the picture is. Can you hold it up and show people? Other way. We can all see that's it. Brilliant. Bring it over here. Okay, so there are people there that are having a bit of a gossip and saying, I think they're saying not very nice things to each other. And Mackenzie, if you want to come up, grab a bit of sellotape, stick it on our heart. That would be amazing. The sellotape's on the end there. Because we need to be really careful what we say and what we hear. It says in the 2 Corinthians 12, verse 20, I'm afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be. I fear there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. We need to be careful what we're saying to each other and also what we are hearing because those words go in and even if we say it doesn't affect me, it does affect you. And so we need to be careful what we're saying to each other and what we're hearing. That's the first thing. Number two, who's got number two? Well done. You've been at school how long and you already know which is number two? Where's mummy? Should be very proud of her. Amazing. So what's this a picture of? Can you say? Computer. A computer. Good girl. It's a picture of a computer. Let's have a look at that. That's number two. And um, oh, thank you, Liz. Take it over to Liz. She'll help you stick it on the heart. Because it really, really shocks me how much <laughs> how much time uh, people spend on social media. It says, that, and this is a, a new statistic, on average, a working age person, so this isn't teenager, a working age person sends, spends two hours, 30 minutes on social media a day. That's not even working. Two and a half hours on social media. Over half the children studied had seen material online that had disturbed them. So over half the children that they talked to said they'd seen stuff that made them scared. Parents, we need to hear this. We really do. Because what we see affects our heart. 48% of children regularly watch YouTube. Not the children's version. YouTube, unsupervised. I've seen some of the stuff that's on YouTube. And I do have to say, when I was doing looking at the statistics for this, some of it made me gasp out loud. And I couldn't share it because children are in here. Liz was outside and she came into the office and said, are you okay? Because I was so shocked by some of the things that children are seeing online. So we really need to be careful what we see because it affects us and it affects our relationship with God. I'm going to get you to do a little bit of an experiment. Mackenzie, you can do it because you're quite grown up. You can do what you've always dreamed of doing. I want you to hold that coin up and see if you can make me disappear. So look through the coin. You can close one eye if you want. Have I gone yet? Have I gone? 
No, move around a little bit then. I promise you, you can get rid of me. People have tried for a very long time. Keep going. Was that Sophie laughing out loud that loudly? Keep going. Did you get... He kind of got rid of me. Because it's really, really interesting how easily we let things get in the way of God. And I think our next one, am I right? Number three? Oh, it's not the next one, but in a minute we're going to talk about money. But number three, who's that a picture of? Don't say Kerry. Let's have a look. So we've got here, this is anger. Does it look angry? Marilyn never gets angry. Marilyn, do you want to go and stick that on the heart for me? So that unforgiveness, if we've got anger and unforgiveness in our heart, there's not a lot of room for God to be there. And it's amazing how many people, when they pray through and forgive somebody, the release that they get. So unforgiveness really clogs our heart. And that's something definitely we need to think about today. Okay, we got what number are we up to? Number four. What's the picture of? Money. Money. So we've got a picture of a purse and money. Okay, and can you read what the word says on the back? Idols. Idols. Fantastic. Go and stick it up there. Because... There are so many things that we let get in the way of God. So many things that we say aren't important, but deep down they really are. Top 10 modern idols. First of all, our identity. Everybody wants to matter, and that's right. But when we try and find our identity in something else apart from God, it goes horribly wrong. Number two, money and material things. Number three, job. Number four, physical appearance. Statistics on how much people spend on um, face creams and things to make them look better. We get obsessed with physical appearance. Entertainment, including sport. I won't mention the rugby. Uh, Children. Honestly, children become gods to people. Children are people. They are not gods. Really important we remember that. Comfort and health. Oh, I don't think I'll go out today. I don't quite feel right. We really hold on to, we have to feel 100%, otherwise we're not doing stuff. Phones and technology, status and fame, and food. All of those things can become idols and can get in the way and clog our hearts up. And we must be on the last one now. Who's it a picture of? Simba, and I can't remember who this guy's called. Uh, I think it's Scar. And what does it say in the back? Pride. Fantastic. Do you want to go and stick it up? Um, And then the last thing that we're going to talk about very quickly is pride. Because pride really does stop us from being the person God wants us to be. And pride can come out in lots of different ways. Pride isn't only standing here saying, way, hey, I'm wonderful. Pride also is when we don't let people help us because we've got this. Pride also is thinking that we can do everything on our own because we can't. We're community. God's put us in community to do that. So they're just some of the things that can get in the way of our heart and clog our heart up. Just very quickly, I'll share what we're going to do in the activity packs today. Thank you, Liz. First of all, we have got a heart that's woven, um, a mobile for you to weave through the heart and then stick the verse on that David will be talking about. And we've also got 
um, some discussion questions that you can answer and word searches and things. Please, parents, make sure your children are doing it. Um, if they don't finish, take them home. And I've also got, and some people say this is bribery and corruption, I say it's encouragement. I've also got some jammy dodges. So any children that complete their stuff this morning and come and share, and I'm not letting you have them this time, Sophie, they can get a jammy dodger. Wow, thank you. Am I allowed a jammy dodger if I preach well? <laughs> so we know some of the things that can clog our hearts. Um, we know some of the things that can be a challenge to us, and for, for many times there's things that are under the surface. They're not always obvious things, they're, they're attitudes that we can carry. So how do we begin to have a pure heart? If we're talking about making those healing choices, how do we begin to do that? So I want to suggest a few things to, today that will help us. I think firstly we, we have to openly examine, confess our faults to ourselves, to God, and to someone else that we trust. And I'm going to unpack this as we go through. Because the Bible says that all have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. So there's no room for self-righteousness in any of this. You know, sometimes we can compare ourselves with other people. We think, well, I'm better at this or I'm better at that. Or maybe even think we're better as people. But actually, when we compare ourselves to God, the Bible is very clear. All have fallen short of God's glory. So there's none of us can come with a, a self-righteous attitude towards anyone else. That's why we need grace. But what I have seen in people's lives, if we're, we're trying to follow Jesus, and if we allow sin to come in, if we allow those things to clog our hearts, it actually keeps us from becoming all that God wants us to be. That's the saddest thing. It's not about pointing the finger at people. It's not about, a, about condemning people. But it stops us because guilt and shame when we do sin... It affects our confidence, it damages our relationships, and often will keep us stuck in the past. Have you noticed that? That we often rehearse those things, that we go back time and time again, and, and the enemy will come and use that against us. So we need, we need to learn to live in freedom as God intends us. So how do we begin to deal with guilt? How do we begin to, to deal with shame in our life? I'm gonna suggest a few things. Firstly, it's about taking a, a, a personal inventory. Now, for some of you who uh, are aware of kind of things like AA or the recovery programs around, this will not be unfamiliar to you. This will be something that you will have heard of. But what you may not realize in, the, in those recovery programs, they have a biblical basis. Most of them, particularly AA in particular, uh, was founded by Christians and it started off originally using scripture verses to allow people to go through those steps. And one of those verses is mentioned here for you. It's the, the Living Bible Version. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test my thoughts. Point out anything you find in me that makes you sad. Some other versions. If there's any offensive way in me, point it out in my life. That takes a lot of courage. You know, sometimes our, our prayers can be very general, can't they? They can be very, bless me, bless my family, you know, do this. But if you want to get deep with God, begin to come to, to God and say, okay, God, search me. See if there's anything offensive in me. And Psalm 32 talks about when I hid my sin, that's when it affected my body. 
Because that's what sin does, and that's what guilt does, and that's what shame does. It's toxic to our bodies. Because if we're trying to live for God, and we're, we're burying that stuff, and we're pretending to be something we're not, and we're not dealing with that before God, it does actually get into our bloodstream. It does get into our physical body. And the psalmist found that out. He said, when I hid my sin, it was like it affected my very bones. So I encourage you to have that, that freedom. And for those of you who are doing the Emotionally Healthy Women course uh, with Kerry and Bev on Mondays, you will know that one of the things that that course talks about is being honest. And being honest before God, dealing with those issues, not pushing them down, not lying to yourself, not lying to God, but actually bringing all that we are before God. Because God knows anyhow, doesn't he? So the key is not God knowing, the key is us bringing that before God and allowing him to deal with it. And one of the things I encourage you to do is if you're making that moral inventory, is to write it down. Now what's the value of that? Is it allows us to be very honest, it allows us to be very specific, and it allows us to face reality. Because sometimes we can pretend, can't we? Sometimes we can gloss over stuff, say, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do that later. But one of the things I find about journaling or writing stuff down, even if you don't know where to start, as you're writing, as you're journaling, it's amazing how God the Holy Spirit will speak to you. It's amazing what truth will come out as you're open to God, as you begin to write. The Psalms are people's reflections. Some of the things we have in scripture are people's reflections and God uh, working in their life. So it helps us really to be specific, really to be honest. So if you don't journal, I have a great little article on that and how you can do that and how you can grow in your relationship with God with that. But begin to do that. Begin to be honest before God and not pretend. Secondly, if we're going to get, deal with, with guilt and shame in our life, we have to accept responsibility for ourselves. You know, one of the challenges we face in the modern world is that people so often blame everyone else rather than taking responsibility. Oh, it's my family, it's my father, it's my mother, it's my school teachers, it's, it's whoever. And it's so easy to point and blame someone else, isn't it? But once we become adults, we have to take responsibility for ourselves. We, we can point the finger at someone else, but as someone said, you point the finger at someone else, there's three pointing back at you. So it doesn't actually help us to grow. It doesn't help us to learn. And we can rationalize those things. And we can justify, can't we? If we really want to do something, we can generally justify it. We can rationalize it in our own mind. But as it says on the screen, when we rationalize something, it can easily just become rational lies. <laughs> Don't know if you realize that. When you rationalize something, when you justify it, when you come and you say, no, 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 everyone's doing that. <laughs> it's a lie from the enemy and we just make it rational in our mind to justify. But truthfully, it's time to begin to deal with some of these things in our life. And part of that is accepting responsibility for ourselves. If you're an adult, it's time for some of us to grow up. Stop blaming everyone else. Stop blaming the pastor. Stop blaming the church. Stop blaming all of those things and say, do you know what? I'm going to take responsibility for my attitude, for my life, for the things that are going on with me, for the things that are clogging my heart. 
It's my responsibility. First John 1 verse 8 says this, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. Thirdly, and thankfully, we can go to God and ask for forgiveness. So the next verse says, rather than deceive ourselves, what we can do, if we confess our sins to God, he can always be trusted to forgive us and take away our sin. I love that version of that verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He can be trusted to forgive us. So the basis for forgiveness when we need to deal with it is not how good or bad we are. The basis for forgiveness is God's nature. It's God's character. And the Bible says that he cannot lie. So when we come to him and we ask God to forgive us, then he will forgive us. That's what scripture says, isn't it? We don't have to hold on to that guilt. We don't have to hold on to that shame. There's nothing too dark. There's nothing too bad. There's nothing too shocking for God because he already knows what's going on in our heart anyhow. Jesus died for all of our sins, not just some of them. And sometimes we, we can end up punishing ourselves because we think, oh, well, that's, that's a really bad sin. And we kind of qualify the sin and we grade the sins. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, I can forgive myself for that. But if it's really bad, we kind of want to hold on to it and punish ourselves. But that's not how God works. God says we can ask for forgiveness. The verse that we started with in Isaiah. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can take it out and make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Hebrews says that we can have a clean conscience before God. Isn't that good to know? That whatever we've dealt with, whatever other people may think about us, whatever pain we've had, that we can come to God and know we're clean before him. And I think that makes a difference. Number four, we admit our faults to a trusted person. I don't know how good you are at admitting your faults. <laughs> Jesus says, you know, before you take the, the speck out of someone else's eye, we have to take the plank out of our own. And it's so easy to look at other people, isn't it? And we can identify other people's faults. We can identify other people's sins. But actually God calls us to look at ourselves and examine ourselves before God. And sometimes that means going to other people as well. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Did you realize that some areas of your healing may be dependent on your being willing to admit your faults and confess to one another? Now, the good thing is we can confess to God. We can ask for, God for God's forgiveness. But my experience is that when there's a, a character attitude, when there's a pattern of behavior that we find in our life, then it's not just enough to confess to God because we, we get in that sin, confess, sin cycle. And sometimes it needs another person where we are being accountable to someone that we can trust to say, do you know what? I've noticed you do this. I've noticed this pattern of behavior. I've noticed this. And if we can trust the person, that may be the way to bring healing into our lives. Because we actually do need one another. The Bible says that we belong to one another. And church isn't simply about coming to a religious service. It's about a community. It's about a community of faith where we do love one another, where we do forgive one another, where we do 
um, bear with one another, as Colossians 3 says. All of these things are important. So maybe you're healing and you're dealing with some of those areas of shame and guilt in your life means finding another person. So the big question is, how do you find the right person? <laughs> Let me suggest a couple of things. This person needs to be someone you trust. I, I don't believe that we should be sharing everything with everyone. It's not appropriate. The, you know, I have a journal that I don't want you to see. <laughs> You'll never see it. Bev doesn't even see it unless I'm specifically sharing because that's between me and God. And there's times where when I'm meeting with Alistair, uh, as my coach mentor, that I'll share stuff with him. So there are people I trust uh, that I will share stuff with. Someone who's not a gossip and has a reputation for keeping a confidence. You know, that can be a challenge sometimes. And if you have shared someone with someone very deeply and they've broken that confidence, you know how damaging that can be. And you know how difficult it can be to, to rebuild that trust with that person again. So it needs to be someone who's not a gossip. Someone who doesn't use your story to share with others. And if someone's sharing stuff with you <laughs> about someone else, then guess what? At some point, they're probably going to share your story with someone else. So be careful that it is someone you can trust. Someone who understands the value of, of what you're doing. So if God is pointing some stuff in your, your life, if God speaks to you today about that there isn't an area of purity that you need to deal with guilt and shame, and one of the things we're going to say is we're going to encourage you today to find someone, even this week, that you can share stuff with. You need to have someone who understands the value of what you're doing. Someone who's mature enough not to be shocked the last thing you need is if you're opening up your heart to someone and they go, really? I mean, that's not a good start, is it? You're that bad? You did what? Yeah. It needs to be someone who's not going to be shocked by what you tell them, especially if it's something deep, especially if it's something that you've carried for a while in terms of guilt and shame. And then finally, I think it has to be someone who knows the Lord well enough to reflect his forgiveness to you. Someone who's able to, to pray for you and, and reflect God's forgiveness so that you can have that sense of being right with God again. And then the final thing I think is about accepting God's forgiveness. And that can be a challenge for people because you think, well, maybe I should hold on to this. Maybe I need to feel bad. But that's not actually what God says. I think this is the next slide. Bethany. We need to actually accept God's forgiveness. So we do need to take a personal inventory. We do need to examine our heart before God. And that's right to do. We need to accept responsibility for, for ourselves. Sometimes we need to own up to our own junk. But we can ask God for forgiveness. We can admit our faults to a trusted person. And then we need to accept God's forgiveness. Listen to what some scripture says. Micah 7, there is no other God like you, O Lord. You forgive the sins of your people. You will trample our sins underfoot and send them to the bottom of the sea. I think it was Corey Ten Boom who said, when, when we ask God for forgiveness, he puts our sins into his sea of forgetfulness and puts up a sign, no fishing. 
When God forgives us, he doesn't expect us to go fishing to drag those stuff before him. Romans 8 verse 1 is a familiar verse to many. So now there's no condemnation to those who belong to Christ. Just think about that for a moment. When God looks at your life, he's not coming pointing the finger in condemnation. It's Christ who died for you. Romans 8 says, if God forgives you, who has any right to accuse you? Who has any right to condemn you? Jesus died for you. God did not spare his only son. And then Jeremiah 31. I will forgive their wickedness. And I will never again remember their sins. God chooses not to remember our sins. And then Jeremiah is writing to a people. He's lamenting about his own situation. He's bringing his inventory before God. But he's also lamenting about the nations. In fact, he, he wrote a whole book about it called Lamentations. And he's coming and he's, he's saying to God, God, why are we in this situation? Why do these things seem so difficult? And God has to give him a slightly different perspective. Because he's writing to a people who, who should have known better, but had actually turned their back on God. In fact, they were in 70 years of captivity because they'd abandoned God. And yet God comes and says, I'll never again remember their sins. I think this is good truth for us this morning, isn't it? If we want to be pure in heart, if we want to know God with that purity, if we want to see God work in our lives, then he can do that. But we have to respond to him. And so as we conclude, I want to speak to three groups of people. Those, those of you who are not yet followers of Christ, now, you may have been around church a long time. You may be religious. But are you a follower of Christ? Are you someone who's actually committed your, your life to Christ? Not just someone who's a good teacher, but someone who recognizes that Jesus is Lord, that he, he deserves all of our lives. He demands all of our life. Well, if we're ever going to recover from all the habits and the hurts and the hang-ups of life, and if we need to get to that place of purity before God, we can't do it in our own strength. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the book of Romans goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is a gift. It's not something we earn. It's not something we deserve. But there is a gift of forgiveness that comes to us through Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you've never taken that step, God is the only one who can truly forgive us on the inside. We may be able to talk to others, but God is the one who can make us clean on the, the inside. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to give you some literature. If you're watching online, then you can get in contact with us. All our details will be on the YouTube channel and you can uh, contact us and we'll happily send you some literature to tell you how to get in that right place of purity with God. There's others who maybe you're already followers of Christ. I, I think the realization of what Christ has done for you should lead us to worship. It should lead us to joyful worship. It should lead us to recognizing that God has forgiveness, that Jesus Christ has died for our sins. One of the things that, that I love about going to Nigeria is, is the joy that's in the services. I mean, they're, they're loud. <laughs> I sent a little video 
<coughs> excuse me, and I was standing outside the building and I, I recorded something and even then some of you struggled to hear what I was saying. It was so loud. But the joy that comes with it. There's something that, that's dynamic, that's vibrant. And actually if you look at verses like Acts 4 verse 24, it talks about the church raising their voice together in one accord or in unison or in unity. And I think there are other cultures that are much better at that than the British culture. We're very reserved, aren't we? Mm. You've just shown the evidence of that. Thank you. In other countries, they're, they're shouting, Amen, Hallelujah, praise God, and all of the other things. They help preacher. Here, it's kind of, we, we nod vigorously if we agree. Huh? <coughs> But there is something responsive that's part of other cultures that just recognizes we have something to celebrate. And sometimes people ask me when we travel, why do we see some of the healings and some of the miracles that we do? Saj, when we were in Pakistan, prayed for a couple of Muslim guys that were instantly healed. Not right, Saj? Two guys, instantly healed. Then we went to the family because they've been healed, because they were open to the power of God, we went and prayed uh, for the whole family and, and we saw two members of the family that got set free from spiritual oppression. Just incredible what God does. And people have often said to me, what's the difference? Why don't we see as much of that here? And I think part of that is the openness that people come with the expectation that people come with, the hunger that people come with, the responsiveness they have to God. Because let's be honest, we can get very comfortable here, can't we? You know, people see God often as an addition to their life. You know, it's a, it's a lifestyle choice. Whereas in some of the places like Pakistan and Nigeria, if God doesn't come through for you, you're in big trouble. And I think that breeds a hunger and a, a responsiveness and an openness. And you just naturally see things. One of the churches uh, that we went to, they had three days of prayer and fasting before we came in preparation for our visit. I wonder, do we have that thankfulness, that responsiveness? Do we have that willingness? Do we come to church ready do we come to church with an openness, with an expectation, with a willingness to gauge? Or honestly, are we looking to be entertained? Are we looking just feed me, feed me, give me, give me, give me? Or are we coming because we're ready? That's a challenge to us, isn't it? If we want God to work in our lives, if we want to see God, I think there has to be that purity of heart. The Bible is very clear that without holiness, we will not see God. And I think that's one of the things that the church needs to get to grips with today is that sense of holiness. And I think sometimes those standards of holiness, maybe you've come like me from a legalistic background and a lot of it was, was kind of ticking the box and rules and regulations. And so because of that, you've kind of left aside, uh, left aside those things about holiness and you've allowed things to creep into your life 
that maybe even in other cultures you would never have allowed. It's one of the interesting I find, interesting things I find is the passion and conviction we see in other cultures. And then sometimes when they come to this country, their spiritual life actually goes down. Their spiritual temperature goes down because they allow things to creep in. There isn't that same passion and desire for holiness. And honestly, with the way the world is going and with what we see in the world, we need to live holy lives. Our lives should be different. If we claim to be following Christ, then our lives should be different from the world. People should be able to identify that our lifestyle is different than those around us. Our ethics should be different, what we do with money, what we do with our relationships. So for those who claim to be followers of Christ, I wanna challenge you this morning. Is there a desire for purity in your life? Is there that passion to live right before God? Because you'll not see God work. You'll not see God work without that desire for purity. And that's the final thing I want to talk about. It's the final group. Those who need to deal with an area of impurity in your life. Listen, I'm, I'm not here pointing the finger at anyone. If God doesn't condemn you, then I certainly have no right to. But as a pastor, I do have a responsibility. If there is any area in your life that is impure, if there are any area in your life that is offensive to God, if there's any area of your life that's not right before God, then I plead with you to get it right. Whether that's financial, because sometimes we can be impure in our motives towards money, either because we don't have it (laughs) and we're pursuing it at the expense of God, or because we do and we get comfortable and God kind of gets put to the side. And Paul says, some have shipwrecked their faith because of the pursuit of money. There's nothing wrong with money. It's the love of money that becomes the root of all evil. So it's what we do with it that counts. So my question to you is, is, is money, is your possessions, is the stewardship of those things, how does God think about it? Not what you think about it. How does God think about the purity of your relationship with money? What about sexuality? You know, we live in a world that kind of says, identify how you want, do what you want. It doesn't matter. You choose, you're free. But actually, that's not freedom. It's not freedom simply to do what you want. If we all did what, what we wanted, what a, more of a mess would that be in? We all know there are boundaries in which we have to live. And that's true sexually as well. We won't go into any details, but I know people sometimes get caught in things. And Galatians 6.1 says, if anyone is, is caught in a sin, those who are spiritual should come alongside gently to restore. So if you're caught in any sexual habit, if you're caught in a sin, I wanna, I wanna say to you, there, there is freedom. There is freedom in that. You don't have to live in bondage because the Bible says it was for freedom Christ has set us free. But if you don't deal with it, if you continue to live in that, you will continue to live in shame. You will continue to live in guilt and you'll not see God work in your life in the way that he wants to and the way that you need to. So whatever area of sexuality that is, whether that's something 
that you've done in the past and you've never confessed that and you've never dealt with it however long ago or whether it was done to you, you can be free. That's the good news of the gospel. And you can be free from condemnation. I want to encourage you. Freedom in God's sight was that Adam and Eve were unashamed about their sexuality. Isn't that incredible to think? They were naked and unashamed. Shame came in after the fall. It was never God's original intention. But we have to live with that sense of purity in a world where it's a free-for-all in this area. Kerry mentioned earlier about YouTube. And we have to be careful. Parents, you have to be careful what your children are watching. You have to be careful what access they have because uh, one of the shocking statistics is what children are watching and the porn that they're getting involved in. And many people will assume that the porn is a problem for men or young men. Statistically, it's more of a problem for young women. Did you know that? Statistically. So we have to be careful about our sexual ethics. Thank God there is freedom. Thank God there is his grace. But let's deal with it. Maybe it's, it's relational impurity. Maybe there's things going on in relationships that, that aren't right. Maybe it hasn't gone as far as sexual, but maybe there is unforgiveness. Maybe there's division. Maybe there's other things in our life that no one else would know about. But before God, it's not right. I want to encourage you that you can deal with that today. You may not be able to deal with it alone. You may need someone else to help you. And we have a whole pastoral team that can help you do that. (coughs) I would say that if you're dealing with something sexual, you need to have someone of your own gender uh, to deal with that. But find someone that you can begin to deal with that. Because Jesus says, you can make a healing choice. You can make a healing choice to be free. You can make a healing choice to be pure. I want to encourage you to do that. Guys, you're going to play a song in a minute. It talks about saying yes to God. As we have done every week, (coughs) we have some kind of discovery questions, things that you can do, personal study, um, the PDF, there they are. Uh, Chris will put the PDF on the website uh, after the service so you can go and download those questions, begin to think about those, talk about them with someone else as you follow. But I want to encourage you today as we look at this idea of God saying, blessed are the pure, let's say yes to God in purity, amen? In every area of our life, if there's any offensive way in in us, let's ask God to come and bring its cleansing. Let's say yes to God. Father, we pray this morning that wherever we find ourselves in our relationship you, help us to say yes to you. Help us to say yes to being pure in heart because we want to see you work in our lives, in our church community, in this community in which we find ourselves, in the world which we seek to be ambassadors for you. Help us to say yes to you, we pray. In Jesus' name.
you'll see on screen a welcome card and I extend a really warm welcome to you all. It's so lovely to see all of you, especially those of you that have not been with us for a while. It's so lovely to have Dave and Amelia and Keegan and visitors returning. So welcome to you all. If you haven't ever received a pack like this, these are available. Please do see me or one of the team. Inside, there's a little welcome card that you can fill in so that we can stay connected with you. And there's also an online version, which you can see on the screen there. Coming up, the light party. This is where I should hear lots of cheering. <laughs> It's now launched, so we have the invitations. If there's anyone that you can invite, please do grab an invitation and make sure that you can send that to somebody. Um, the details are all on there. It's on the 29th of October, and new for this year, two light parties. <laughs> but... For two light parties, we need lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of help. So if you haven't yet spoken to Bev, please do so, so that the team can be organized and we can see God moving amongst the families and the people that come along. Thank you. Engage prayer. If you haven't had the opportunity yet to engage with us in prayer on a Sunday morning, I really encourage you to do it. It's such a wonderful time to be together before we come together into this building for our worship and Sunday service. It's 9.30 in the ark. Lovely Grace leads us. And it's just a wonderful time to come into God's presence and prepare for the service, asking for God to meet with us, to move amongst us and to be with us. Today, oh sorry, just one last thing, Bethany, would you mind going back? As well as Sunday morning, we have a Wednesday uh, Zoom prayer time, which again Grace leads. Once again, it's awesome. If you haven't joined yet, put um, a reminder on your phone, and I'm telling myself that because I forgot to put the reminder on this week, and then I missed it, which I felt dreadful about. It's a fabulous prayer meeting, a time to come together, and it's on Zoom, so you don't even have to build in the time to travel. You can join online. It's brilliant. Please do. Okay, thank you. Next slide. So today, another, woo, 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 it's a bring and share lunch. <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> so if you are here, you are very welcome to stay and join us for lunch today. There is such a range of food in the kitchen. It looks amazing. It always tastes amazing. So please do stay. Let's fellowship together, get to know each other and enjoy God's goodness to us with a meal. And talking of God's goodness, I want to talk a little bit about giving because God is an incredibly generous God. He gives us so much and his love is so vast that he willingly gave his life. It's here on the wall. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting love. The song we just heard played to us talked about your love is calling out to me. God loves us. It's a vast love. 
And our generosity in giving is in response to God's love to us. So there are different ways that you can do that. You can do it online. You can scan the QR code. There's a little brown box at the back. And there's an envelope that you can put your donation into. And my final notice is to say, if you are a UK taxpayer, please, please, please speak to me about considering gift aid because it makes an enormous difference to the amount that comes back to the church that we can then use to help build God's kingdom here. If you are a UK taxpayer, it's as simple as filling in a form and then 25% of what you donate is added on top by the government so it boosts the giving that we receive. Thank you. Now, before we start preparing for lunch, there's no tea and coffee today. We're going to go straight into lunch shortly. But we have one more celebration. Sonia, please, can you come and join me? <laughs> now, Sonia's birthday is tomorrow. So we're going to wish her a wonderful birthday. Is there anybody else who has celebrated a birthday in the week? Or, of course, Lizzie. Lizzie, you must come. Or has a birthday coming up this week? Oh, mum, you're going to have to bring her. <laughs> okay, Amelia is going to lead us in happy birthday to these lovely people. Let's stand and sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Sonia and Lucy. Happy birthday to you. May God bless you. May God bless you. May Okay, in just a moment, we're going to set up the tables, but I'm just going to say grace and thank God for the wonderful food. Once I say amen, once I say amen, please, if you can help move the chairs to the sides, help set the tables up at the back and then food will be served. So let's bow our heads and just thank God for his provision for us. Lord God, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. And we thank you for this wonderful food that you have provided for us to enjoy today. Bless it to us, we pray in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed the teaching. We'd love to hear from you, so please contact us. All the details can be found on our website. God bless.